0: Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Good morning, Generations Church. This is Pastor Jeremy, and I am so thankful that you've chosen to be with us on this Memorial Day weekend and for us at our church for this really special Sunday that we call Communicator Sunday. About two times a year over the last three or four years now, we have participated in Communicator Sunday, and it's a great opportunity for our church family and really those outside of our church family that may be connected to some of these folks to hear from people within our congregation. And a few years ago, the Lord really allowed us to to see some examples of this in different ways, but for us to really contextualize it to what it could look like here at Generations Church. I have a heart. Corey and I have a heart to really see the, the people of God be used by God to tell what God is doing on their heart in really amazing ways. And that will continue to develop over the years. We want to create opportunities for people to have the opportunity to declare the truths of God as he's speaking into their heart and their life. And so Communicator Sunday is always a special day for us. It is one of our highlighted podcasts every single year. Uh, But I am thankful that you're here live today or you're watching online as some people from within our congregation get to share. Now, here's what I say every single time we come to this moment on Communicator Sunday. This is not a novelty act. It's not a circus show. These individuals have prepared. They have prayed about what God would have them to share. It began several weeks ago, even as I began to receive notes from them after they accepted the invitation to be a part of this. And as they prayed about it and really began to read God's word and to determine what it was that God may use them to speak to us as a church, uh, they, they, took this, this, they took this seriously, and I want you to do so as well. Now, here's what that means. Over the next few minutes, they may say something funny. If they do, laugh. They may some, say something that tugs on your heartstrings, and if they do, feel free to cry. Uh, But I encourage you to amen them and clap and if it's funny, laugh and all of those things because the more you respond, the, the easier it'll be for them just to feel comfortable in what they're saying and what they're sharing from the stage. Uh, Corey and I are not here today. We are trying to grow as leaders and really be around a church that will help us to lead better. But I have heard these messages. I've read these notes in different formats. And I'm telling you, you're gonna be blessed today. And so in just a second, as they take the stage one by one in each of these services, I'm telling you, it is going to be an incredible day for our church family. So open your hearts, open your minds, ask God to speak to you through these individuals. It's gonna be incredible. I can't wait to see what God does in the next few minutes. God bless.
1: Well, good morning. Um, my name is Brittany Rogers, if I have not had the privilege of meeting you. Um, as you can probably see, I am the G Kids director back here with my kids' blocks. But I absolutely love serving in kids every week and just seeing their hearts for God and seeing the Lord move in their lives. But today, I'm just honored to be speaking in this service and to share a little bit of my heart. Um, I'm going to just dive right in into Joshua 6. Um, many of you have probably heard this story, but it's about Joshua and the wall of Jericho. And in verse 5, it says, When you hear them sound a loud blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So the Lord tells Joshua, go and march around this wall with the army once for six days straight, and on the seventh day, march around the wall seven times, and on the seventh time, with a loud shout, the walls will collapse and the city will be yours. When I was about 14 years old, I had something called transverse myelitis, and basically what that means is that a virus attacked my spinal cord and caused swelling in my spine and then caused Um, my nerves to react in a way where from about here all the way down to my toes, I could barely feel my body at all. And it went numb. And we had no idea what was going on. And it took a long time for us to figure out what's happening. Um, I was admitted into the hospital, got on IV, and the doctors weren't really sure if I would be permanently paralyzed, if it would stay this way, or if I would gain some feeling back or all feeling back. But it was kind of just a wait and see game at this point. And one of my friends walked up to me. And she's, and I had gone through some other things in middle school. And she had said, Brittany, why do these things keep happening to you? And it I know she didn't mean anything by it. But at that moment, it was like a shifting in my faith of like, why do these things keep happening to me and not my friends or not? someone next door why is it me and and how is this going to be used for your glory god and are you really the god that you say that you are so my family would rally around me and pray for me and they were really big on believing for healing and my grandmother my nana if you know her when she tells you to do something you do it and you believe it and she would tell me Brittany, i've prayed for you and i believe that the lord is healing your body and you need to walk in that healing and, and claim that for your body and as you walk in the hallways of the hospital and you walk around, start praying and praying that same healing over the rooms of the patients you walk by. And it in that moment, it went from not just being about me, but it went to being greater than even I could fathom of. Maybe I'm not here just for me. Maybe this isn't just about me, but maybe I'm here to intercede for someone else. And so it took about. Two years later, I gradually gained the feeling back in my body and I went from being afraid I would never walk again to playing collegiate soccer my first year of college, and which is just a testament to God and that He's still a miracle-working God. Um, but I just want to encourage someone who's in a battle that sometimes you may not understand why you're the one going through it. But it's not just about you. Sometimes you may, I may have been the only person in that girl's life that was next door to me and the patient that was sick that maybe that was the only prayer that was prayed over her in her life. Or maybe it was the baby next door that I could hear crying in the middle of the night that needed healing and I prayed healing over their body. And so Joshua, in this moment, he was obedient to what God had told him and he did what was necessary to prepare to overcome Jericho. And some of us need to start walking around those walls and those Jerichos in our life and start believing for victory and start walking around and saying, God, you did not give me the spirit of fear. God, you are a good God. You are with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The victory is yours. I have been clothed in strength and dignity, and I will laugh without fear of the future. God is for you. God is with you. And I want to challenge you, who are you marching for today? Do you believe that God is who he says that he is? Stand in the gap. Start marching for your family. Start marching for your job, for your children, for the neighbor, for the people that are sick, for the homeless, for those in need, and believe that the victory is yours and God is for you.
2: Good morning. Uh, My name is John Woodridge for those who don't know who I am. uh, This past week I actually just got back from a two and a half week cross country road trip where I had the opportunity to uh, explore 10 of the national parks. And it just started out as a a trip with some friends who wanted to do a last thing together before a couple of us uh, graduated. And while it was definitely a great bonding experience, uh, overall I'm very thankful because Um, I was able to experience um, firsthand uh, God's glory through his creation. And what I want to talk about today is glorifying God. And as Christians, I believe that we are called to um, glorify him in everything. So uh, a little bit uh, into my backstory, uh, my personal life. I'm currently a senior majoring in cybersecurity at the University of North Georgia. Uh, I have a minor in leadership. I graduate this August, and will be commissioning as a second lieutenant into the Georgia Army National Guard. Thanks. Um, Eventually, I plan on joining the private sector, working with cybersecurity. Um, And throughout my entire college career, I've done pretty good uh, academic-wise. I've received a lot of good uh, scholarly and academic awards, been placed on the dean's list a lot. Um... The last fall uh, 2020 semester, um, my grades really started to dip, um, and my life at the time kind of became a lot um, disorganized, if you will. Um, I was losing interest and motivation, uh, and I wasn't pushing myself. Uh, and even in my spiritual life, um, I was starting to spend a lot less time focusing on God. Uh, and after the semester ended and going into the beginning of this past spring semester, um, a few months ago, uh, I kind of had a wake-up call that jolted me out of that period of laziness, if you will. Uh, it was a reminder that I wasn't glorifying God uh, by being in that state of laziness. Uh, and as Christians, like I said, we are called to glorify Him in everything. So what does it mean to glorify God? Well, to glorify something means to take great pride in, so giving it your all, or, and to give honor to, right? First Corinthians 10.31, a very well-known verse that talks Um, on this topic, and it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And to give you a little bit of context into the passage where this uh, verse is found, some of the uh, Corinthians at the time, uh, recent converts who were previously pagan, uh, thought it was wrong to eat uh, the food that the pagans used in their worship and their sacrifices, whereas some of the uh, other Christians didn't believe it to be a problem. Um, Paul writes here uh, and says that it's not whether you eat or whether you don't eat that stuff, but whether you do so um, thinking about your neighbor's conscience, right? So overall, the message of that is: uh, whenever we selflessly think of the good of others rather than yourself, when you do so and to the best of your ability, you glorify God. Uh, everything that you should do uh, should be um, everything that you do should be with thought towards others, and it should be done so with pride as to give honor to God. So going back to my personal story, that was my wake-up call. I was only thinking about myself, what I wanted to do then and there. I wasn't giving it my all. I wasn't thinking about others um, or even God. And so, um, um, And so I definitely wasn't giving him the praise or the honor or the glory that he deserves. So I encourage all of you to consciously think uh, and actively think about what you do and what you say. Everyone has a calling to do something. God has given us all talents and uh, gifts, and I urge you to use these things to give back to him for the mutual good of others before yourself. So why am I studying cybersecurity? Well, my wake-up call reminded me of what I was doing and why I was doing it, right? I believe that technology should be used Um, to help society, to advance it, and to help everyone to glorify God. However, there are certain people who will use it for evil and sinful reasons. And so I want to study, or I decided to study cybersecurity uh, in hopes of helping them and preventing those sinful uses of it. So my wake-up call reminded me of this reason, that I should do it to the best of my ability, to give glory to God. So my big message that I want to leave you all with is this. You all have your own reasons for what you do. Whatever those reasons are, I urge you to do so to glory, uh, to give glory to God. Thank you.
3: Hi, my name is Christy Hindman, and I am equally as nervous as I am excited to speak to all of you today about what God's been doing in my life the last few years. I want to share a little bit about how God can take your grief and he can renew your hope. I was once asked the question, how do you process your hurt? Well, for me, this was an easy answer. I responded, I acknowledge it, and I move on. The individual who asked me this question said, no, no. How do you process your hurt? It kind of caught me off guard. I thought I had answered, but I guess I hadn't. So I kind of stepped back, thought through it, and was like, hmm, I don't process. I merely suppress, and I move forward. Grief comes in so many different packages. It can come from loss of a job, loss of a relationship, loss of a loved one. Each person's grief journey is uniquely their own. However, I have discovered that grief—that through grief comes true beauty, redemption, and a renewed hope. In 1 Samuel 1, the story of Hannah is told. Hannah is one of Elkanah. Pardon my pronunciation of some of these names. But she is one of Elkanah's two wives. The other wife is Penne. And in the beginning of 1 Samuel, The story is told of how Penne has many children and how Hannah has none. However, each year, the family would make their trip to Shiloh to give their sacrifice to God. And each year, Penne would be given a portion for herself and each of her children, and Hannah would only receive one portion. In 1 Samuel 1.5, it says, And though he loved Hannah, speaking of Elkanah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. Now, not only does Hannah only receive one portion from her husband, but in verse 6, it reads, so Penne would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. The story continues every year. They go back to Shiloh and continue to give their sacrifice, and each year, Hannah receives one portion, and Penne continues to taunt her year after year. You can see, as the story continues, that Hannah is truly grieving the dream that she thought her future would hold, a future with children. So we see Hannah, brokenhearted, year after year, getting taunted by Panay, truly taking that grief to God in fervent prayer. One specific example, you can see how Hannah was so fervently praying out to God she was almost kicked out of the temple due to the fact that they thought she was drunk because she was so grief struck hannah was broken over wanting a child now spoiler alert hannah had a son his name is samuel and god did mighty things through samuel's life but i want to hone in on one specific key thing Hannah did not stop grieving. She did not suppress her hurt. She did not act like she was okay. She dug in. She took her grief. She allowed herself to feel it. And she took her grief to God in continual prayer. So I'm going to say something real quick. Your grief is your story. One of my biggest pet peeves is when someone tries to tell me how I should feel or how long I should feel that way, Your grief, your feelings, your hurt is truly yours. But what I want to say is that God wants to walk through that journey with you. Like Hannah, who fervently went to God in prayer, God wants you to come to him as well. He wants to walk with you through your journey. A few years ago, my marriage of over four years came to an end. As you can imagine, a ray of emotions came with that season of life. The tears I cried, the whys I asked, the heartbreak I felt, the future I had dreamt of were all shattered. I felt shame and hurt that, to be honest, still tries to peek up from time to time. I mourned hard, but I did what I always do. I suppressed it when I felt it, and I tried to move forward. My journey of dealing with grief Truly did not start and always ask the question, How do you process your hurt? Since that day, I don't always do it well, but I truly try to dig in. I'm not a huge journaler, but every few months, I truly try to process what God is doing in my heart. My last journal entry was on my grief journey. How over time, I felt like my morning was shifting into something new and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. But then it finally clicked through grieving with God, I was allowing him to replace my grief with new hope. My life looks different than I had imagined, but it's more beautiful than I could have ever dreamed. My hope and prayer for you is that you allow yourself to pause and feel, to take the time to truly process the grief, to ask the hard questions, to mourn, to dig deep and allow yourself to feel. And I promise you, before you know it, you'll see new growth. You'll see new friendships where there was loneliness. You'll see healthy relationships where there was brokenness. You will see new revived dreams that far surpass any dreams that you could have ever imagined. My hope and prayer for you is that through your grief, God will provide you new hope.
4: Good morning, everyone. My name's Corey Ernst. My wife, Jessica, she's over there on our spot. Our son Solomon, he's probably upstairs terrorizing the childcare volunteers, I'm sorry. But I wanted to talk to you guys about something that's kind of difficult for me to talk about. It's kind of embarrassing. When I'm talking to a friend or a family member and the Holy Spirit decides that it's time for me to tell them for the first time or remind them of Jesus's love for me and them, I get uncomfortable. I get nervous, I get unsure that, you know, maybe, maybe it's not the right time or, or, or what if I mess this up? And sometimes sometimes these thoughts, these, these doubts, they keep me away from a good opportunity. And I beat myself up over this kind of thing because I'm the kind of guy when I experience something good, I'm gonna tell you about it. Like when Popeyes released their chicken sandwich and I tried it for the first time, That's a good chicken sandwich. And I told everybody about it. I'm telling you guys right now, it's a great chicken sandwich. And when I told you about it and you told me you didn't like it, we were going to fight about it. I was ready to throw down over a chicken sandwich. So why, why, when it comes time to talk about the person who saved my soul, who resurrected the dead person within me, Do I get cold feet, nervous, or uncomfortable? And I was praying about this. I was going to talk about a different verse for you guys, but in Matthew 10, 34, Jesus said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, admittedly, when I read this verse for the first time, I was like, whoa, where did that come from? But I didn't understand it. And and for those who don't know, a sword was like the pinnacle of technology when it came to quickly making someone else uncomfortable. The truth is, we're not called to be comfortable. And I don't know why you or I get uncomfortable when these situations come around, you know, when these moments come. Maybe you don't get uncomfortable, but... Maybe for some of us, you know, when those moments come and we're right on the cusp, we're right on the edge of doing it, and those thoughts start entering your mind that, well, what if when I say this, my friends aren't going to want to hang out with me anymore? Or the guys at work are going to think I'm weird? Or that family member is going to stop wanting to come around so much? Me and my wife, we, we went down to Tybee a couple months ago, and a couple friends and uh it was late one night and one of our friends, she was just an absolute wreck. She was talking and crying about things that she was ashamed of, things that she's done in her past. And, and, and I feel the Holy Spirit, now's the time. Now's the time and I'm thinking in my head, no, 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 now's the time to listen. I'm gonna listen, I'm just gonna listen. No, you know it's the time. You know it's the time and I'm like, oh, I know. But what do I say? How do I inject this into the conversation? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and and the only thing that my little brain can come up with is something I've read on a bajillion bumper stickers all across the world. I, it just kind of ugh, fell out of my mouth. I, I said, you know Jesus still loves you, right? And sh- she looked at me with mascara all over her face and she says, you really think so? And what happened after that was at least a 30-minute discussion on God's love for us and uh, Bible verses that I undoubtedly butchered along the way. But if I can be honest with you guys, it was not a long time ago that I was exactly where she was. Lost, hopeless, depressed. My arrow was pointed in whatever direction, just except for the direction that it should have been pointed in. But one person decided to have that uncomfortable discussion with me. And there are a couple key people that along my faith journey I can say this about, kind of pointed me in the right direction. But if this person hadn't had that uncomfortable discussion with me, I don't know where I would be right now. But I'm, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be right here. So be bold. Let us be like Apostle Paul. We're in Acts 28.31, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Thank you.
5: Corey, I like the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Just saying. (laughs) Um, Good morning. Uh, My name is Mike Stotler, and uh, my wife, Ainsie, and I have been attending Generations Church for about a year and a half. Um, First off, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to stand in front of you and share this morning. Um, I also want to publicly thank you for caring for my family over the past year and a half. Um, The gifts, the dinners, the messages um, during the birth of our second child, Leighton, is truly appreciated. Uh, If I had the title, what I want to speak about today, uh, it would be to give yourself grace, uh, because through God, uh, there truly is hope. Before I share some specifics in my life, uh, I'd, like to thank you, thank, I'd like for you to think about some tough and trying times in your life. Think about how you felt, how you acted, and what you did to pull yourself through that tough time. As I, as I reflect on various seasons in my life, I think about the following. Growing up working on apple orchards as a young child with three brothers. Uh, playing sports. so I could get out of having to work in the orchards and instead have fun as a teenager. Going away to college and learning how to take care of myself and how to live on my own. Yes, I learned how to study, um, but I did get in a a little bit of trouble. Um, But you have to live and learn, right? Then I transitioned into a career and was a single guy traveling the country with no worries at all. Uh, Now I'm married married to my beautiful wife Ainsley, have two children and now I have the most responsibility I've ever had in my life. What I've learned about myself over the course of these years is that I love my family, I will always provide for them, I will always lead them by faith. I am a hard worker, I care about people and relationships, and I will always attempt to perform the very best all the time. With that comes a tremendous amount of pressure if I go back four years and write about the time my wife and I were married, the same day we closed on our home in Charlotte, North Carolina was the same day we found out that we were pregnant with our firstborn son, Hampton. and it was the same day I received the package from the local sheriff's office stating that I was being sued in, in uh, federal court for a non-compete for my previous company. Talk about a day with the highest to highs and then all of a sudden it went very low. What led after that day was stepping away from the job that I had moved around the country three times in order to obtain. The company did create another role for me which I fulfilled for a year and right about the time when I was about to step back into the original role, the company decided to sell the division of the organization. It was double whammy, for sure. I was left with no job. I went through severe bouts of depression. I treated my family unfairly and many times I just wanted to give up on life. I struggled for quite some time, taking various jobs to, de- to determine where I should be and what I should be doing. I broke down on Ainsley's shoulder many times and attempted to talk to only a few people who I thought would understand, including my father, who is here today. Happy birthday, Dad. Thanks. My brother and my poor wife, who couldn't understand completely, but did you notice the one person I left out of my conversations and who I should have spoken to about my current reality? It would be the Lord, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I had constant reminders that it was all in God's plan, but I couldn't believe it, nor could I see it. During that tough time, I prayed, sought daily devotions, and attended church regularly, seeking an answer as to why, God. Why is this in your plan? It makes no sense. I was dealing... first one is Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily. as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. As you can imagine, during this time in my life, it was hard to go to work and stay motivated each and every day. But I always remember saying to myself in the mirror, God, be first in my mind today. The work that I do today is for you, God. I literally had to say that out loud. All that. Just a small example, If literally if there was a piece of trash laying on the sidewalk, I would think of my mind, do the right thing for God. And I would pick it up and throw it away even if I didn't want to. Second scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen. All I ever heard is that it's in God's plan. I didn't believe it, and I had a hard time seeing it. Waiting on anything is the toughest thing to do. But I kept seeking God and trying to figure out why He had me in this position. And then what I came to realize is that God was putting me at my worst so I would become vulnerable and seek him even more. The third verse is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ whom strengthens me. This verse has been a constant reminder of my life, a verse that my mother embedded in me since I was young. God gave me the strength to step outside my comfort zone and brought my family to Canton almost two years ago for a new job. The last verse that really sticks out in my mind is Matthew six thirty four. therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. So while I'm in a job now that's brought me more peace, I still struggle with worrying about tomorrow. This verse reminds me to stay strong and focus on the present and trust that God will continue to lead me in his path and according to his plan. What I found through this struggle is whether you're working on your marriage Taking care of your family, trying to do your best at your job, or just trying to find your way through life. It's critical to give yourself grace because through the hope of seeking God, you will find your confidence, you'll eliminate your fear and anxiety, and you'll grow to know him even more. So thank you for allowing me to share, and I hope you enjoy the Sunday God has has given us. Thank you. I'm Randall. If you haven't met me,
6: I've been going to church here for about, I don't know, four years or so. Lovely wife. I think she's standing right there. The lights are bright. But uh, if you haven't met me, I'd love to meet you. Um, When I was uh, asked to speak um, and I accepted, uh, God pretty much immediately put one verse in my head that just wouldn't kind of leave me alone for really about a week. And it's a familiar verse. It's a Nothing that if you've been around the church, you haven't heard lots of times before. And it's Psalm 34, 8. And it's just really the first half of the verse. It's, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because he is good. And I feel like he just wants me to unpack that verse just a little bit and fairly quickly because they only give me about five minutes. But but he's good, right? You know he's good. If you're saved, you really, really know he's good. We know that he's good because he loves you. We know that he's good because he died for you, because he rose for you, because he made you and he gave you a purpose. We know he's good. We know he wants to spend every single moment of eternity with you. We know that he's good, right? We know that. We also know because he is good, that's just not talking about he's good sometimes. He's good all the time. He's good regardless of your circumstance. He's good if you're sick. He's a healer, right? He's good. He's good if you're sad, if you're depressed, if you're going through grief. He's near to the brokenhearted. He's good. We know that. We know that if you've got a problem that you just can't solve, he's good because he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. We know that. My question is to you today, do you just know it up here? Or do you know it here? Have you experienced whether or not he's good? Because the verse just isn't the Lord is good. The verse is taste and see that the Lord is good. You have to taste it. You have to see it. It's a safeguard to you because if you only know it in your head, you really don't know it. There's a difference when you experience things. There's a difference that comes over you when you experience something. I was a baseball player. I've experienced baseball, I've played a whole lot of it. If I read in a book about baseball and everything else, you may know what baseball is, but you haven't experienced the way I have. That's just the way that that goes. God wants you to experience him. That's why he's asking you in this verse. He's saying, taste and see. Now, here's the thing. Those are verbs, okay? They require some action on your part sometimes. There are times when God can rush in completely just on his own. Those are wonderful times. I've had plenty of those times. But there are other times when you need to actually go seek after him. James says, draw near to me. I'll draw near to you. That's the way he's doing things. He wants you to come after him. I had a very wise person in my life tell me one time, he said, Randall, uh, you can have absolutely as much of God as you want. You can have as much of him as you want. He wants you to have all of him. He's placed his Holy Spirit in you if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. He's 100% there. How often do you choose to access him? How often do you choose to talk with him? Uh, prayer is huge in this regard. It's where I find him, more than anywhere else. Some people will find him in studying the word. Some people will find him in groups and crowds. Some people find him in worship. I find him in prayer. I find him in a dialogue that we have back and forth, and it gives me an experience of who he is, an experience of his goodness. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you sought him out? When's the last time that you said, God, I haven't heard from you in a while. I want to sit here and I want to experience you. When's the last time you sat back and just told him how much that you loved him? He loves that because he's real, because he's a person, basically. I mean, he made you in his image. He Just as much as I love my kids to run up and hug on me, he loves the same from you. Experience him. That's my challenge to you today. Experience him. Get him inside you. Get as much of God as you can handle, because He's good, and He wants to share that goodness with you.
7: Good morning. My name is Christy Bradway. I've been a part of Generation Church for about eight years, and so grateful to have this opportunity to speak to you on Communicator Sunday. Um, Although I'm grateful, I'm absolutely terrified of speaking in front of people, so I'm probably going to read you most of my message. And the message I'm sharing today The message I'm sharing today is a story of faithfulness, trust, and provision. Many of you have heard the story of Job. He was an incredible and honorable man of God. In part of Job's story, God allows Satan to test Job. In the conversation between God and Satan, Satan asks the Lord, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around his house and all that he has on every side? God told Satan he could do anything except touch Job, and he did. Satan took everything away from Job, but never touched him as God had said. I can only imagine how devastating it was for him, but God kept his word to put a hedge of protection over Job's life. The provision God gave Job is still true for his people today. From the time I was a young child to when I was a teenager, I considered my life pretty normal or average based on what the world considered normal in the 90s. My parents were still married. I loved going to school. I had lots of friends. I went to church whenever the doors were open. I got to travel with my youth group and participate in children's ministry. There were so many positive experiences. When I came to be an adult, I came to the realization that I really lived in my own little bubble where my perception of my life was very different than the reality. I believe God put a hedge of protection over my childhood and teen years to prepare me for some life situations I would experience later on. Had I seen the reality, I would have realized that my parents were constantly fighting. I would have seen that my father was never really around. Um, and he worked all the time leaving my mom to take care of all five of us kids like a single parent family I would have grasped the fact that it wasn't normal to visit my oldest brother at almost every jail or prison in Georgia and Instead of my entire family going to church It was just my mom little brother and myself who attended on a regular basis the reality was that my family was broken and dysfunctional. But God knew I needed to be doused in his word and in what he was doing. I was involved in church in every way possible. I went to Sunday school where I memorized Bible verses. I went to camp where I experienced God in the middle of his creation. I created amazing friendships where God was the center of them. My foundation was strong in the knowledge of God and what he was able to do. My mom and grandma prayed that God would protect his children. Like Job, God put a hedge of protection over my life. I could have made some poor choices in my life based on what my life consisted of, but God knew what I needed. He was always faithful and always put me where I needed to be in order to grow in him and become strong in his word. That godly foundation and his provision would get me through some tough times later on in my life. Isaiah 43 2 says when you pass through the waters I will be with you and through the rivers they will not overwhelm you when you walk through the fire you will not be burned several years ago I found myself in an excruciating and painful situation before before the trials and tribulations I walked through God knew I would be there years before he was preparing me in knowledge faith and trust in him um, in order to survive in the waters God was with me through the rivers they did not overwhelm me when I walked through the fire I did not get burned there may have been days that I laid in a fetal position and cried for hours but God helped me up there were times I couldn't get out of bed but he provided people to come and watch my children and feed us Even when I had to go to court, God provided all the right people to protect me and my children. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Everything I needed he provided, food, gas, transportation, clothes, even Christmas presents, and so much more was provided through him. No matter what is happening in your life, he will never leave you and never forsake you. He will protect you and teach you his ways. He will meet all your needs. Lean on him when you're not strong and he will give you strength. He is faithful and trustworthy. He will be in your corner fighting for you. Thank you.
8: Hello, everybody. My name is Tim Cheetah. If you don't Know me. Uh, I help oversee the G Group's ministry here. I'm usually the one emailing the leaders to make sure that they have their attendance in. So if you are a leader and if you do not have your attendance in, get it in. All right. <laughs> so I also just got finished uh, leading a G Group this semester with Tim Johnson. If you haven't gotten a chance to study the Bible, with him, please do so, because he makes it so exciting. But I've got first dibs. Uh, but the Bible is uh, something that I want to talk to you about today. And It can be really tough to talk about the Bible, because most of us who grew up in the church, uh, much like myself, we all have some kind of baggage when it comes to talking about the Bible. You know, maybe you're a person who was hurt, by someone throwing a Bible verse your way as a weapon, or maybe you used a Bible verse as a weapon towards someone, or maybe you're a person who reads the Bible and gets troubled by certain passages that we call the texts of terror. Uh, or maybe you're a background, from a background where you don't know anything about the Bible. And you know, we live in this highly polarized society where we all have these combating philosophies and views. And somehow, the Bible always seems to become uh, center stage. Uh, so some say we're interpreting it too strictly. Some say we're uh, interpreting it too loosely. We get worked up into this friendly or, or frenzy, and we're ready to pounce on someone when they say something about Scripture that we disagree with. And I know uh, that feeling because I've been there. But sometimes I just want to say, whoa, everybody, slow down, just relax, take a breath. But uh, what do we do with this library of ancient texts that, we, that fits in this book that we call a Bible? So I'd like to offer up some pointers uh, that Tim Johnson and I discussed in our study on how to read the Bible. The first is that the Bible is a unified story from beginning to to end, from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way to the end of the New Testament. It begins and ends with God, and it begins and ends with a new creation. However, the point on which all Scripture hangs is found in the person of Jesus Christ. In one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees about the authority that he holds, and he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that testify on my behalf. Jesus is saying, the Bible is about me. You see, and you see this, that this is the case when the book of Revelation showcases how Jesus is the slain lamb who has conquered and defeated death and is the one who will bring judgment on the nation and how God's people will rule with uh, with him at the end. The way the Bible does all of this it, and how it puts it all together is through three main types of literature. And this is my second point. Uh, the main block of scripture that composes the Bible is what we call narrative. In literature, it's the process of telling a story. So I want you to think of your favorite narrative, your favorite book that isn't the Bible. And I want you to think about how the author uh, used the story to invite you into that world of the book. And how it invited you to identify with the characters. And how that really kind of helped shape your life. Well, God uses narrative in the Bible through the story of Israel and through the gospel so that you can become part of that story. And the whole time, all of the writers of the Bible are setting up all of these design patterns that connect throughout Scripture, and they're expecting you to meditate on Scripture for the rest of your life. I love the fact that the Hebrew word for meditation literally means to mutter to yourself out loud. So the next largest block is poetry. Uh, like you see in the Psalms, but also in the prophets. So I think that's important. God speaks to us, prof- uh, excuse me, poetically, in the Bible. Um, in fact, poetry and the Psalms were extremely significant to the Israelites, and they would often get sung in the temple. Uh, and then when the Israelites, when they were exiled into Babylon, they had to use the psalms as a virtual temple. They would enter into the Psalms, and the Psalms would sing back to them the story of God's creation. And then uh, we have the third main style of Scripture, which is called prose discourse. And you can see that in the readings of the law and in the, the, the letters of the apostles in the New Testament that show how Christians are to grow in the love and holiness of Christ. And I think what that demonstrates to you is that God's word is multifaceted. Because our God is multifaceted. His truth speaks to you from every angle. And behind me uh, should be some art of a, from the Bible project of a man holding a diamond, which just speaks to you about that point. So... Here's the last pointer I want to give to you, uh, and that's uh, reading scripture is a relational process. Here's what I mean. Think of your lover. Think of what it was like getting to know them. Uh, Think of how exciting it was and how you wanted to get to know everything that you could about them. Imagine, then, only learning a certain amount of information about them to where you get along just well enough, and that's it. And that's, that you have a plain reading of them. Let me just say that the Bible isn't our lover, uh, but God is, especially through Christ. He is the lover of our souls. Uh, he's our first love because he first loved us. Uh, The Bible is what reveals Christ to us, and it's what tells the story of people in relation to God. And we're connected to those people in God's Word through Christ's work, and that's made alive by the Spirit. Wouldn't you then want to get to know as much about God's Word as possible so you can grow deeper in your walk with God? So... In the beginning of this little speech, I said that it was difficult sometimes to speak about the Bible, and I might have added to that difficulty, I don't know. We all have ways that we want to describe the Bible. For some of us, Scripture is the inspired, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative Word of God. I certainly agree. And I've also read some theologians who say that the Bible is God's sacred vessel. And I like like that too. For me, though, the only way that I've been able to con- conceptualize the Bible is like this. See, this cosmic iceberg is what I call it, um, and it's supposed to represent the Bible. The name of the, of the woman who created this for me, her name is Amanda, and she lives all the way in Jakarta, Indonesia, She has an amazing Instagram account called Pearls in the Dust where you can see more of her art. Anyway, above the water, we have the visible 10%. That's what the plain reading of Scripture can offer. Or maybe that's even how pop culture sees the Bible. But below the surface is a whole new dimension. This is the part of the Bible where we see uh, that we see when we understand the Bible as a complex, a cohesive and unified story. It's the part we see when we mutter it out loud to ourselves for the rest of our lives. When we see we we it's we see it when we are careful to note the literary styles, and it's the part that we see when we explore the context behind the text uh, to know, uh, to so that we can rightly apply it to our own lives. Uh, but it's more. It's so much more. It's, any, it's more than any new Christian will understand. It's more than any seminary grad will understand. And it's even more than any lifelong follower of Jesus will understand. That's because God is more. When we're reading the Bible, we're not, we're not trying to scale the heights of God's word. We're plumbing the depths of God's heart. Thank you.